The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Slareth, along with Mike Evans, Scott DeHuff, our producer. Got to thank our presenting sponsor, the fine folks over at Cool Water. Uh, perfectly pH balanced to match your body's natural pH level of 7.4. Crisp, clean taste, award-winning. Uh, you can pick it up at 7-Eleven or any else, any other place where water is sold. Uh, that is Core Water. Love Core Water. They treat us great over here. That's Core Water. Check them out. Hydratewithcore.com. Mike Evans, what do you think, man? What's going on? Well, first of all, how was the happiest place on Earth? Uh, Disneyland. It, How'd that go? It was, it was phenomenal. I broke down, Mike. I broke down, and I did kind of what I promised myself I wasn't going to do. So for years, when I worked at ESPN, we had Disney the weekend, and it was the greatest boondoggle on on planet Earth. They'd bring us in to Disney, then it was Disney World, and um, we'd stay at one of the Disney properties. You know, they give us, and, and we had you know you could bring all your kids and everything. So we had these great Disney properties, like these two bedroom suites or whatever. They had food and meals for us. They had the whole. I mean, it was a whole kit and caboodle. And then we had our own guide. For like three days at Disney World. So as I'm doing a TV show, my guide is taking the kids around to like different rides, whatever we wanted to ride. And you go right through the exit and you just get right on the ride. And they let you right to the front of the line. And so these guides are phenomenal, right? And so I get done doing a TV show and I have like 30 minutes before my next hit on SportsCenter. So we like run over to Tower of Terror and we'd ride it like two, three times. And then I'd run back over to the set and do another hit on Sports Center. I mean, it was, like I said, it was the greatest boondoggle ever. Here's the problem. You get there and you do it for four or five years in a row. Not only you, but your kids aren't used to actually having to wait in line. Get spoiled. Oh, totally spoiled. Your approach to Disneyland is let them eat cake. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so the first day. The bourgeois. Right. The, the first day, we're staying at the Disneyland Hotel. It was great. We've got this. I mean, it was beautiful. My wife set it all up. And this was for her birthday, by the way. She said all she wanted for her birthday is to go to Disneyland with the kids and our grandkids and have a couple days at Disneyland. I'm like, in, man, that sounds like a fun time, right? So that's what we did. We did the first day. We got through about four hours. We did about three things, and the kids were tired, and so we're like, hey, we're going to go take a nap, then we'll come back. And as we're walking there, I'm like, let's not come back. As a matter of fact, let me call somebody over at uh, over at Disney, over at the VIP tours thing, and let me, let me work this thing out. So I made the phone call. Well, actually, I had my wife make the phone call. I got the number. From one of my people that I know at Disney. Mark's got people. Right. Disney so people. she called up the VIP tours people, and we got a tour the next day. 
So it's pricey. <laughs> Don't kid yourself. It's pricey, <laughs> but it was worth it. We did. I mean, we went seven hours of just hell bent for election. So we rode every ride. They literally take you to the front of the line. Oh yeah. So the people who are waiting in line, they're you, like, "Excuse me, excuse me," and you walk right in front of them. Well, we walk through the back exit. So we're yeah, on. but there's still a line, and you have to you jump the front of the line. Yeah. Well, I'd be so pissed. I'd be so pissed. Why? I'd be so pissed. You're right there at the front of the line. You're going to go next. Yeah, after standing in line for 40 minutes. Well, that's your problem. I'd be so pissed. But envious. Dude, <laughs> i tell you what. Once you do it that way, and I know, I know like, once you do it that way. So I, I was talking to our guide, Philip, and he was telling me, he's like, all the ABC shows, because ABC Disney, yeah. so all the ABC shows, part of your actor's contract is two guided tours a year at Disneyland or Disney World. Nice. So you get that guided tour for, you know, for the day. And he's like it is hilarious because once their show ends and they're no longer employed under that contract, it's the thing they miss most. Right. About, of course. Right? So you see like my guy was like, "Oh, just last week I had Nicolas Cage, you know, and his family and and toured them around Nick and Cage. so Nick Cage." <laughs> What do you think, Nick Cage? How do you like it? You're you're a big. What was that movie? That series of movies that like the where he's National into, Treasure. Yeah, National Treasure. You're a big Nick Cage National Treasure, aren't you, Scott? Yeah, sure, sure. He's so he'd be like, I'm Nick Cage. It's kind of like a Andy Sandberg doing Nick. Cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can do. You know, he goes on. We're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> he's, he probably so, goes on these rides. He's just like. Whoa! I, whoa! It's like one of the. It's like when I was the Ghost Rider. <laughs> Remember Ghost Rider? I never saw that you one. Know, oh, Ghost Rider was great. I don't think I'll watch it. Yeah, oh. I thought that was Ghost Rider. Wasn't that Kit the car? No, 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 that's, no. That's Night Rider. That's Night Rider. No. <laughs> I knew I had a rider or something in there. Ghost Rider, Night Rider, Kit. Oh man, David Ghost Hasselhoff. Man. I bet you David Hasselhoff gets a, a VIP guided tour. Damn right. He's the Hoff. He is the Hoff. All right. He is the Hoff. But he had a good time. Yeah, we I had a great. We had a great. It was it was great. I love they, you know what? I'm saying all these nice things because we're going on a Disney cruise next month. So All right, here's Maybe the cool. Here's the cool. We can send this along to your people. Right. Here's the coolest <laughs> thing. I uh, probably I'll act like I'm going to help you, but I won't. So <laughs> here's the coolest thing though. We did the the character like dinners and breakfasts with the characters. And to see my like my youngest granddaughter Drew, who's two and a half, is just like with every character. I love you. I love you. And getting you know kisses and um, just they just lit up autographs and you know pictures and videos and that was that's the coolest thing. They just think it's they think that's so cool. And, and by the way, for the dads out there, mm -hmm. you go to one of these like princess lunches or something. Yeah. And here's Snow White, and here's Cinderella, and you're like, is it warm in here? <laughs> you didn't? You no, I didn't oh, actually, really? though. I was like, uh, all right. Mike. I was like, <laughs> okay, Mike. Cinderella. <laughs> 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 what? Have yeah. I been talking out loud lately? <laughs> Hey, although, although the funniest thing, the funniest, <laughs> the funniest thing is my daughter got, the, or my granddaughter got the. Uh, I don't, don't look at me like that. Don't judge me. You, every you know, one of you out there, is think the same thing. Right, my no, they Please. weren't. But yes, my they granddaughter are. got the the mini hands. 
you know the 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 gloves that look like mini mouse hands and it's it was the greatest thing ever so i suggest whatever the cost of the mini hands were i didn't pay attention i don't even know but whatever they they're worth it because my granddaughter pretends that she's Minnie Mouse and Minnie Mouse doesn't talk. So she just waves and she like waves at people and then she tries to gesture what you want to do, what she wants you to do by using hand gestures and motions and stuff. And she was like in character for a good hour and a half without speaking. <laughs> and I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Blessed, so whenever like silence, right. I was like, let's get back at the hotel at night. You know, we had the, the Disneyland hotel suite, whatever. I'm like, why don't you put on your mini hands? <laughs> you know, why don't you put on your mini hands and uh, and pretend you're mini for an hour and a half or so <laughs> while, while Popo watches the show? <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, you're so bad. I know. So while you were away, yeah, uh, some big doings mm-hmm. happening. Um, where to start? Well, let's start right here in Denver. Where we uh, are reacting to the Joe Flacco deal. I know. I know. So Vic Fangio came out just a, a few days ago and said, look, I'm not interested in Band-Aid approaches. Band-Aid approaches, all the Band-Aids do is get you to 8-8, eight and eight, and then a few years later you're 5-11 and 11 and wondering what the heck happened. Well, it's because you started slapping Band-Aids on things. Right. Instead of, you know, addressing the real problem. So is this just a Band-Aid move? Um, yeah. It, it is a Band-Aid. I mean... What is Joe Flacco? Joe Flacco, what, just finished his 11th or 12th year? He's, yeah, he's a Super Bowl MVP. I get it. And he it, that he gambled on himself. I Like, I love this about him. This is ballsy. They had, a, like, an $18, 19000000 million contract on the table for Joe Flacco. He said, no, I'm worth more. Gambled on himself and then went on this out-of-body experience playoff run where he threw 11 TDs versus no interceptions and led the Baltimore Ravens to the Super Bowl. Okay, it was amazing. Then they had a you know slap a huge contract on him, and you know he he gambled on himself and he won, and that's awesome. I really appreciate that about him. But in eleven years as a starting quarterback, he's never been voted into a Pro Bowl. He's never been considered an elite level quarterback. He's always had kind of basic, you know, decent but average statistics. I mean, that's what he is. And, and like, I look at the Denver Broncos, and he's an upgrade, a marginal upgrade over what they had in Case Keenum. And if you think all of a sudden you're going to put Joe Flacco on the roster and not, you know, and not address the issues that you have on this roster, and you think all of a sudden you're going to be, you know, significantly better, I, I just think you're fooling yourself. Like Joe Flacco is not a full a force multiplier where he rises or raises the level of everybody else on the football team. Like you've got to have an outstanding offensive line. Think about this. Joe Flacco is a guy that you've got to be able to protect. He's a deep drop guy, a five and seven step guy, drive the ball. You know, the, the deep dig routes, the deep over routes. That I mean, uh, the deep ball route. That's what he's going to throw. That's what he's most comfortable doing. So you got to be able to protect the guy. He can't move. He's not getting out of the pocket for you. He's never been a, like, I'll, I'll go back to 2014 when Gary Kubiak was the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens where many people feel like Joe Flacco had his best season, right? And I'll never forget watching those games and going over those games. And 
Gary Kubiak running the 18-19 handoff, boot keep right, boot keep left, and getting Joe Flacco outside the numbers where you had this linear progression. You know, you've got a, a fullback in the flat. You've got a tight end that's doing a you know a shallow crossing route, and you've got somebody on the outside. You know your your X or your Z receiver running a comeback or running you know running a uh, a, a a corner route or whatever he's running, right? And so you've got this kind of one, two, three linear progression right in front of your eyeballs. And Joe Flacco just throwing dirt balls all over the place, like on the run and throwing, not his strong suit. And essentially they scrap piled all the boot keep game and just went to straight play pass game where it's a fake 18 handoff and then you drop back, you know, at a seven-step drop about 11 yards deep right behind the offensive tackle, and you start pushing the ball down the football field. That's what they did well. That's what he does well. He's not a boot-keep game. He's not a get-outside-the-pocket quarterback, get-on-the-run. He's an inside-the-pocket quarterback guy. And I look at the Broncos, and I think you still have issues you know, developing all your 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 wide receiving core. You don't have a tight end core. You know, you've got to be able to run the ball well. And you've got the same problem that you've had for the last seven years that you haven't addressed. You know, speaking of band-aids, Mike, you've tried to put band-aids on offensive linemen. You've got Mentalik Watson, failure bust. You've got Jared Valdir, who you're not going to resign. Just didn't work out. You drafted Garrett Bowles, who's got more, you know, he's got more tackles than than half your defensive players do. Um you know, and, and you lost your your probably your best player up front in Matt Paradis. Um, again, with an injury, and he's getting older. And Ronald Leary, the guy you signed to a big contract to come in and be your starting guard, he tore his Achilles. So you got issues across the board, and you haven't been able to figure out a way to address those issues in the last six or seven years. So, you know, speaking of Band-Aids, how are you going to fix that? Because it, it's, you know, the one thing that's been true, and as I travel around the National Football League and talk to general managers and I'm calling games for Fox, Every one of them asked me the same thing. I mean, I must have had six guys stop me last year and say, how would you address the lack of play on the line of scrimmage? Like, how would you address that? Like, how would you coach your offensive line? How would you get guys? Like, how would you How would you scout guys? How would you? Like, I mean, it's consistent, Mike. GMs are asking me for my opinion. I'm just calling games. Like, dude, it's so bad. It, like, you think the quarterbacking issue in the NFL is bad? Like, you think there's um, – you think we're bereft of talent when it comes to the quarterback position? Try try picking an offensive lineman. I mean, it's just not good. And so it's not like you're going to find a bunch of good guys. It's not like you find three guys in free agency that can play. They just don't. If you're good and you play offensive line, you get signed to long-term deals unless, you know, you got some type of issue, injury issue, health issue, age issue. So I'll give John Elway credit for this. He's not interested in... Hey, it's it's patience time, fans. It's youth movement mm-hmm. time. It's it's five years down the road time. I mean, this is a guy who's going for it. Now, you can call it misguided, whatever you want, but right. clearly this is a guy who's not interested in kicking the can down the road. He's going for it now. So, if he's trying to recapture what they got in 2015, where they, they put together a model of you know adequate offense, really good defense, do you, if Joe Flacco is not what you call a force multiplier and you got to put better talent around him and you're all about trying to win in 2019, to me it makes sense. You got to go after Antonio Brown. Don't you? I mean, if you're all about trying to win right now with Joe Flacco, you got to put pieces around him. 
AD might be out there. So do you go after him? No, you can't. I mean, come on. A- Let's face it. Like, he can't get along in Pittsburgh where he's got a player-friendly coach, a Hall of Fame quarterback, other receivers to take pressure off him like Juju Smith-Schuster, um, an offensive line that has three or four pro bowlers on it. Uh, you, you lose your starting running back because you can't get him signed to a contract, and his backup comes in and goes to the Pro Bowl. I mean, you can't get along there. Like, don't you? Isn't there something secretly, like, deep down inside, if I'm being really honest? Like, if I'm going to be really honest, Mike, like, I root for players, I want players to have success. But don't you kind of root against Antonio Brown? Like, don't you kind of want him to get a dose of reality? Like, I kind of want him to go to some shitty organization (laughs) with some shitty quarterback and some shitty offensive line and some shitty, you know, tight ends and other shitty receivers. Right. And and get four targets a game. See how many Gatorade coolers he busts. Like that's that's kind of what I'm wishing on him. Like I just I want you to get a dose of reality of what other guys are going through because I don't think you really understand. You like I said about this, you know, with offensive players or offensive wide receivers in general. I wish I could like buy you for what you're worth and sell you for what you think you're worth. Like for you to have any success at all, ten other guys have to do their jobs exceptionally well. For you to sniff a football. And I I just don't understand the overinflated self of our our, our sense of self-worth that guys like that get. So like I kinda I'm kinda wishing I don't know, the Cardinals on him or something like that. (laughs) Right. Right. right, I just kinda like I hope you go somewhere where you start you you come to just the stark reality of, oh Lord, I had it pretty good. Like that's part of my that's part of my wish. So it can't be I can't have him here. I just can't. I go think Pittsburgh deals him. I mean, look, Pittsburgh, if there's one franchise out there that has shown, hey, we know how to slow play this. We know how to right. stare, get into a stare down with one of our players, and we're not gonna blink first. Mm-hmm. They did it with Le'Veon Bell for the last few years. Do they They've got Antonio Bell, uh, Antonio Bell, Antonio Brown under contract for three more years, and the last two are really good team-friendly deals. They can make him sweat. Just eat it, eat it this year, like they did with, uh... or dare him to hold out. Yeah, I mean, at least Le'Veon Bell knew that if he held out, he had free agency waiting for him. Mm-hmm. Antonio Brown's under contract for three years. Right. All the stomping and social media and sending letters to Steeler Nation saying, hey, thanks for the memories. <laughs> There's nothing keeping Pittsburgh from sitting back going, yeah, we're not doing a thing. Sorry. That'd be great if they did that, by the way. Just made them. Like, and you're, what, you're 32? I mean, how many more years of your prime do you have? Hmm. And then there's the report out there yeah. by Jay Glazer that uh, OBJ He's predicting that OBJ gets traded. It just goes back to your philosophy in general, Mike. Just don't overpay wide receivers. You just can't overpay them. It's kind of the New England Patriot way mm-hmm. when it comes to the wide receiver position. You know how many people thought when all of a sudden, you know they they go out and they get they get Gordon 
and Gordon makes a couple of big plays, and they finally got themselves kind of the the Randy Moss replacement type of thing, and then he gets into his relapse issues and stuff, and he's gone. And how many people thought, uh uh-oh, they're not going to be able – that's the one big play guy. They're not going to be able to overcome that. Oh, really? They just put their sixth ring on their finger. I think there is something to the copycat nature of the league. They look out, teams look out and say, okay, the two teams that were in the Super Bowl, the Rams and Patriots, their top receivers, Edelman and Cooks, had a combined cap hit Mm -hmm. that was less than, I don't know, Manuel Sanders. Pick any receiver who's making $10 plus this past year, and those two had a combined cap hit for less than that. Yeah, it's a. So why should we be overpaying for wide receivers? The league says. Because I tell you what, it's because the owners have been duped into believing the wide receivers have done a great job of of being such a bunch of loudmouths that they have got owners duped into believing that you got to have one of those guys. You know, you got to have the showman. Like, come on, I mean. Beckham's great, I get it and stuff. But he's really more impressive in pregame warmups than he is in the games. I mean, it, it again, you got to have a QB, you got to have a group. I, I'll just go if you learned anything, if an owner was smart. If an owner was paying attention. I think they're smart like there's a reason they're billionaires. They they they've got some they've got some business savvy about them obviously far more than I do but if you're really paying attention every game that was won in the playoffs was won in the trenches every single one of them show me the team that dominated the trenches and I'll show you the team that won the game including the Super Bowl I mean the Rams got absolutely they got absolutely dominated in the line of scrimmage they couldn't block the New England Patriots who don't have a like that, that don't have a real named pass rusher. You know, it's funny. Look at Aaron. the The Rams had two of them: Aaron Donald and Dominic and Sue. They even traded for Fowler, who's a first rounder, and they got Brockers, who's a first rounder. Like they went after like named pass rushers, and they figured out a way to block those guys for the most part for the entirety of the game. I mean, they gave up a hit or a sack. I think one sack. But for the most part, they did a great job. And a bunch of no-name guys from New England absolutely got after Jared Goff. To the point where, honestly, I know Edelman was the MVP, but it probably should have been it probably it probably should have been like a Hightower. I think Hightower had two sacks, a bunch of tackles, a lot of pressures. Gilmore. Gilmore had an interception. It yeah. should have been, probably should have been one of those guys, but I get it. You know, it's an offensive league, and you know Edelman was going to shave his beard, and then him and Brady were going to go to Disney World and play swords. Um, you know, that's awesome. They no, they literally did play swords. Yeah, uh, De Hoff was like, oh, you can't say that. Oh, that's no, inappropriate. They, you guys they, have crossed no, the line. They literally oh. played. Yeah, uh, they, they did the they Darth played, Vader, yeah, Sith Jedi, Lord, Jedi uh, sword game. If you guys got in a sword fight, who would win? Oh, Mark would just bull rush me. Yeah, I'd be willing I'd to take. I'd have no shot. I'd be willing to take. What do you call those things? Epis. I'd take one little epi to the like midsection, knowing that I will bleed for a while. I mean, 
but I'll get it stitched. Yeah, up. he'd be like he'd be like a charging rhino. I right. get like two or three shots in. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. He's just keeps snorting and coming at me. Right. Plus, I'm two. Right. That was two sixty nine this morning. <laughs> I'm fatter than I've been since I played. Right now, so. Like it'd be hard to penetrate into anything. Like into my, it'd be hard to penetrate the little the little epi thing into any internal organs because you got to. I mean, it's deep before you it's get encased. there. Yeah, those organs are encased. Right they're now. encased in a a thick layer of just kind of just kind of uh, sinewy tub fat. Yeah, yeah, it's like gristle. I got gr- I got gristle belly. <laughs> the thing would be vibrating. Yeah, right. Meanwhile, I'm still like a big rhino. It's like penetrating a rhino skin. I think it's not good. All right, on it that is note, not good. On that note, yeah. Mm. All right, well, we solved the world's problems. Yes, we did. Tell no one. Twenty five minutes at a time. Yes. <laughs> All right, for everybody involved in the Sink Truth Podcast, we'll be with you uh, back with you uh, later on. I don't know. Maybe next week. Maybe the, maybe we'll do another Let's one tomorrow. Do another one tomorrow. Okay. Why not? There's never any what? shortage of stuff. Hey, look. The, yeah. Look. Here, here's the thing. The NFL is a 365 day a beast monster that needs to be fed. Right. And we're here to feed. A hundred percent true. All right. I'd like to thank our presenting sponsor. Find folks at Core Water. Hydrate with Core.com. For Mike. For myself. For Scott DeHuff. We'll be back with you. Uh, well, tomorrow. The Stinking Truth Podcast presented by Core Water. Subscribe to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and plenty of other podcast platforms.